Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dentist Who Invest podcast. And I am sat opposite a man who no less than owns his own crypto experience. <laughs> Who is that? And it is called Bidilicious, and his name is Mark Warren. We welcome Mark to the show. Been looking forward to this one for a while. Mark is so, so, so busy. Time is off the essence to him. We had to wait a long time for this spot, <laughs> which is fine. I know how it is, Mark. Life of an entrepreneur, and we are so privileged to have you here today. How are you, my friend? Very good indeed. Yes, it's been six months in the making this, but I'm very happy to finally have found some time to chat to you. Totally cool. And as I say, very grateful because I know that you're a busy man. We met at a crypto conference. What was that crypto conference called? I, um, oh, I honestly forgot that, but it was the best one I've been to in so many years. It's, it was, well, you know what? Coinfest. Coinfest, that's it. The best conferences are those that are free to get in there, I say. You get the most interesting people. You don't get the suits. You get actual geeks, actual people really wanting to learn about what this is and the new technology is even even newer than bitcoin out there it's it was a brilliant conference i loved it hope you did too oh no i had lots of fun three takeaways from that conference one was i met you of course delicious. <laughs> number two was i met ck who also came onto the podcast to talk about nfts and do you know what here's the thing do you know what i learned about conferences when i was there i learned that they are rife they are ripe ripe and fertile grounds for finding podcast guests because there's just so many people out there who are embroiled and immersed in the crypto industry or whatever respective industry that the conference is set is orientated around and that's what i learned at that conference because i've met so many interesting characters like yourself and the third thing was that you can buy socks which are centered around <laughs> cryptocurrency they are called cryptos and i became the proud owner of some bitcoin socks out there those are my three memories <laughs> that's good you also got a bitcoin mug from us i believe so they got to add a fourth memory to that oh I, a bitcoin <laughs> you, mug i think i gave you one oh, of the i, I give it to oh this was why that was for someone else that i gave oh. it i gave it to them that was well, why it was well, a gift well, but you know what it made me happy and it made them happy so that was oh. a good thing well you passed on love there well money can't buy those so that's, <laughs> that's absolutely a nice present I love that. So for the people who are listening to this podcast at present, it may be nice, Mark, for you to give us a little bit of an intro about yourself, a little bit of a background and how you started Bidilicious. Right. So Bidilicious is um, a cryptocurrency exchange, essentially. So we, we essentially make it easy to buy Bitcoin. Simple problem. Well, sounds simple, but it's actually a very difficult problem. You know, buying a first Bitcoin is quite tricky. Um, we are the oldest cryptocurrency exchange and uh, oldest British cryptocurrency exchange. Been around since 2013. Older um, than Coinbase. Older than, well, British. Coinbase aren't British. Oh, I thought they were British. No? No, they're, they're American. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. They're certainly on NASDAQ, I think. Mm. Um, I thought yeah, they were British when floated on NASDAQ. Anyway, I'm interrupting. Anyway. Don't get me wrong. They are very old. Maybe. Mm, similar time. I think block, blockchain are older than us, but they weren't an exchange. Probably kind of only really just a bit of an exchange. 
Um, anyway, 2013 is still pretty old. <laughs> Bitcoin back then was worth about 60 pounds or so. And of course, I wasn't very wise and I decided to set up a company rather than just buy Bitcoin and be rich. So um, it's been around. It's um, been through all the peaks and troughs of Bitcoin, prices going crazy, some crazy days, not so crazy. And we still are here. If you want Bitcoin, if you want some Bitcoin, especially if you want to just buy little bits, we're the place to go for. Um, yeah, we've seen it all. We haven't been hacked. We're good. We're reliable. We're um, regulated. <laughs> what more do you need to know? That's awesome. So in terms of exchanges, what gap in the market did you identify that you thought to yourself, right, there needs to be a bidilicious on this earth? What do you guys bring to your table? What is your USP, so to speak? The USP is making it easy to buy some Bitcoin. You know, we keep things really simple. We're not talking about leverage or any kind of more fancy derivative type investments. We want you to buy a bit of Bitcoin, hold it yourself. We will not hold your Bitcoin for you. And then basically you become part of this new revolution properly. It's as simple as that. Oh, I see. So is it a decentralized exchange then? No, no it's not decentralized, oh. but we don't have a wallet. So what you need to do on Bitalicious is to put in a wallet address and we will send you Bitcoin as soon as we receive your money. And that's the real way to, to really understand this space. If you have Bitcoin or any kind of cryptocurrency held on an exchange, that's not your money. That's the exchange's if anything happens to the exchange, if it goes bust or if it gets, I don't know, raided or if some some government just wants, you know, puts a blacklist against you, it's not yours. You need to hold your own crypto for it to be your money. Well, it's the saying, it, it harkens back to the saying, doesn't it? Not your keys, not your crypto. Precisely. It's exactly the thing. And you're, you're missing half of the point if you're not actually holding a Bitcoin yourself. You, know, you realize the magic that a little device or even a piece of paper or even 12 words in your mind are the keys to your Bitcoin it's important to, to get that step right. And that's why we encourage people to set up their own wallets before we even send you anything. You see this, you see this exact thing that we're talking about. This is the duality of Bitcoin. That is its best feature, but also some would say the feature that makes people less, well, it drives some people away. And that is the fact that there's no guarantee. Code is law. And what that means is that as soon as somebody else possesses your Bitcoin, you can never get it back. There's no third-party guarantor. There's no trust. It's peer-to-peer. Yeah? That's right. So what that means is the second that somebody takes your crypto, you can never, ever get it back because to do that would be to directly contravene the rules of the system, which there has to be to uphold the whole flipping mechanism in the first place. Whereas when you obviously in the bank up to 85K financial services compensation scheme, will reimburse you should the bank go bust, should there be a loss, should there be an issue of that nature. But then, of course, the huge downside to that system is that Bitcoin is a consistently appreciating asset because of how it's designed. You measure it over any four-year period, and it is always worth more, always, always, always. No one who has bought Bitcoin and held it for four years has ever lost money. That's the time frame that we should be going into it with. Whereas anybody who's held cash for over a year has lost value because yeah. guess what? Cash depreciates. Cash is a depreciating asset. That's the thing. That's the first fundamental thing that people who are thinking about dabbling in the crypto space must understand. And that is the duality. That is the paradox, okay? Because it's simultaneously the best feature, but also some might say the feature that drives people away from it as well. Or certainly if it doesn't drive them away, it makes them less eager to move towards it. It is worth remembering, absolutely. There is, there is an inflation rate in Bitcoin, of course. In other words, Bitcoin is created, but we know exactly what it is. We know what it will be in five years, we know what it will be in 20 years. You know exactly what you're getting. And also, 
frankly, as more people get interested in Bitcoin, it's going to far outbeat this little tiny inflation rate that currently exists. Uh, the thing about Bitcoin is, yeah, it's if it's your Bitcoin, it's your your crypto. It's also your responsibility. If something goes wrong, if you send it to the wrong place, if you send it to a scammer, you've lost it. Um, someone is always a winner and a loser in this system. You know, with banks, they can sometimes give you your money back if you get you send it to the wrong place. But the reality is, someone's still going to be paying for that. And I think it's kind of the right place for you to be in control of your own money, along with the responsibility that has. So you've got to think about it. You've got to research a lot before you buy Bitcoin. You've got to think about securing your wallet safely, and you've got to have a you know your head on at all times. If someone comes up to you and says, "Send Bitcoin to this address," you've got to know who you're speaking to. It's, it just requires you to really take some personal responsibility a little bit more. Because I think a few a few of us in this in the well in the whole country really have been nannied a little bit and need to realize you know this is your money take care of it real quick guys i've put together a special report for dentists entitled the seven costly and potentially disastrous mistakes that dentists make whenever it comes to their finances most of the time dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened and that is the purpose of this report you can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistinvest.com forward slash podcast report or alternatively you can download it using the link in the description this report details these seven most common issues however most importantly it also shows you how to fix them I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts It gets into a very interesting topic, and the topic is risk, and we can go as deep as we like on risk, but here's a, here's a little perspective, and here's an alternative way of looking at it. Basically, we've got two ways that you can broadly invest. One is your slow, steady eddy, you buy the S&P 500, you let it appreciate by 10% every year, and you compound your gains, and you'll get rich over 30 years, okay? Now, that way, you've come across that, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So you that method, that's your FA's method. If you go to your FA, they'll say to yeah. you, listen, this is how you get wealthy. This is the way that's proven. You Stocks and bonds, there's your portfolio. Let it appreciate with time. Now, that's all well and good because that way will virtually always work. It's consistently what's always worked historically. Will it work going forwards? Well, certainly the odds are massively in its favor. Here's the huge drawback. The drawback is, what is in what I've already said. It takes 20 or 30 years to get there, realistically. 20,000 pounds in an ISA for 20 years. You keep adding 20,000 pounds to an ISA every year for 20 years. You let it appreciate at 12% a year is 1.7 million pounds, okay? We should all be theoretically retired in 20 years if we can do that because 12%, 10 to 12% is what you might expect from your stock portfolio, okay? That's the thing, right? Here's the thing though. What if... You want an alternative. What if you don't like your job? What if I said to you, Mark, you have to do something you flipping hate for 20 years in order to have a shot at being free? Yeah, yeah? I would not like to do that. Exactly. And that might be the guaranteed way. That's totally fine. You know, go and do that if you love your job. But not everybody out there is 10 out of 10 when they go to work every day. Not everybody, not virtually no one in the world will go to work and say, I'll be here for free. Yeah, there's, there's something... True. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's it is a really tricky thing to to, to think about. The slow and steady, you know, what's 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 happened in the past. We don't know if it's going to happen in the future. This the financial world is changing like crazy. Nothing like Bitcoin has existed before, 
And even if you don't want to put all your eggs in the Bitcoin basket, which you shouldn't, diversification is key. What if the little percent or two that you have of your net worth is the future of money and goes up 10,000 times? It's worth a, you know, it's diversification. Any, all IFAs will tell you diversification is good. But yeah, this exactly, exactly that. It's almost as if you knew what was going to come out of my mind next. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, here's the thing about risk, right? We can go down that path, the path I've just described, or we can have a proportion of our wealth in something that is a little bit more volatile, yeah. but it's something that is consistently, well, over time, since it's been created, proven mm. to give us greater returns, not putting our house on it, like we yeah. say, but at least we have some skin in the game. And surely it's worth rolling the dice for a little bit of uncertainty for the opportunity or chance to bring that retirement date forwards, okay? And that is the point of crypto. That is it. Don't put your house on it. Just have some skin in the game. It, and if you ask me, personally, I think it's going to work out, yeah? And it's not always necessarily because of the strength of crypto or any other asset, but because of the weakness of the alternative, which is the currency that you would otherwise hold. How crazy is that? I exactly. love that. It's amazing. I mean, it's, you know, how often in the, the history of finance does a totally new asset class suddenly materialize itself? This is a totally new way of thinking about money. It's not, not physical. It's just, it's its own thing. It doesn't, it's not attached to it's not attached to any physical object it's it doesn't correlate is what i'm trying to say it really is a little well i mean i think you'd be daft not to not to be interested in it to do your research and have a little bit of diversification into it it seems like common sense to me but you've got to hold because it's so volatile isn't let's not let's not lie about that um yeah if you buy it at the wrong time which everyone does frankly and it goes down a bit don't worry. Like the stock market, you're thinking long term. I don't think you're thinking as long term as the stock market, but you know, a year or two in this in this space is quite a long time. Um, yeah, don't be worried about short term uh, fluctuations. You know, we're we're thinking about the future of money, and that's a big deal. Two things: if you take traditional investing methods and you put it in the crypto world you can be wildly successful, not even trying to do the fancy stuff, just DCA and buy and hold, like mm -hmm. you've said. Yeah. And then the second thing is just to build on top of what we were saying a second ago. Sometimes when you don't risk anything, you risk everything in a way. Yeah. Not risking anything. It means having cash and you've got guaranteed what's minus 7% per year right now with inflation. Yeah. Um, you know, you're better off having almost anything apart from cash right now. Biggest lesson, never confuse volatility for risk. They're two different things, two Absolutely. totally different things. Absolutely. So leading into the next thing I was going to ask you, of course, Mark, you must be a Bitcoin hodler yourself. And for anybody who doesn't know, hodler is crypto speak for somebody who holds Bitcoin long term with the idea that it's going to appreciate, which it always has done over long enough periods of time. Well, I mean, I practice what I preach to an extent. Some of my net worth and the company's net worth is in crypto, but we, you know, we're not talking massive amounts. If, as, as I said at the beginning, if I didn't bother setting up Bitalicious and I actually had a few thousand pounds to spare back in those days, if I just put that into Bitcoin, I would be much richer than I am now. So <laughs> I've built a business that makes money on essentially every transaction that goes on Bitalicious, we take a little cut for ourselves um, on margin. So we make money when people buy Bitcoin or sell Bitcoin, whatever direction it goes in. So that was, that's a kind of stable approach of getting a little bit regularly. <laughs> Maybe I should have just bought Bitcoin and you know, be done with it. But it's not as fun, really. You know, I, I, like, make, I like spreading the word. Uh, I like chatting to people like you, meeting people. It's, 
it's ridiculously enthusiastic people out there and it's wonderful chatting to them. So I would have missed out on that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, is, it is true. I have some Bitcoin, not much because it is volatile. So you've got to, you just got to think about the risks, risks involved, really. But you've touched upon something awesome there. And this is moving slightly outside of the whole crypto theme of this podcast. You know, when you start a business or when you have some sort of presence or profile online, do you know the number of awesome, cool conversations and exciting doors you do from people that you meet? You never quite realize it until you're on the other side. And that's why I believe every single person should have a side business or a side gig or something of that nature. Or even if it's not a business, it's a platform somewhere you can be known on social media, some sort of organization, something that you do. It's really worthwhile. Yeah, I think, think so. Otherwise, you're a small cog in a big business and you don't get, you know, <laughs> there's nothing that beats you having your own future dictated by yourself, even if it's just as a little side job. It's fun. It's it's yeah. the F word. It's fun. Yeah. Mm. You, on, honestly, you know, when you go through life and you pri- you begin to prioritize fun, guess what? Life starts being a lot more fun as well. Mark, what did you do before you ventured into the crypto world, before you started Bitlicious? I got made redundant. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how things work. Um, I had a standard job in the city. I'm a financial, um, well, I'm a coder, really. I'm a tech person. I'm working for a financial software company. Um, after five five, six years there, I got made redundant. Um, and then was I had a little web hosting business on the side. So I was building that up a little bit. Um, I was interested in Bitcoin. The web hosting business accepted Bitcoin. Someone bought a relatively big service for Bitcoin. Then the price went up tenfold and I was sitting on sort of 4,000 pounds worth of Bitcoin. I was like, how do I, how do I sell this? What do I do with this? And there was no decent solution to that. Hence, Bitalicious was, <laughs> was born. Um, but it is, it, in my case, it was the the kind of shove to force myself to do something else in my life. Um, I was looking for a few other jobs, but decided to take a little risk and try and start up a business. Um, it's, it's a risky thing. It requires a little bit of savings that you've done because you don't have a salary essentially, but being, yes, being kicked out of the real, real working world meant I was able to take this risk and I don't regret it. And I don't think I could ever work for anyone else anymore. <laughs> this is the thing about being self-employed you're no longer employable. <laughs> exactly. <I> mean, <laughs> and that's not because you can't get a job. You just never want to work for anyone else ever again because it's exactly. so flipping fun. Exactly. It's so fun. And, well, so many bosses are bad. <laughs> um, yeah, being your own boss, you know, you don't have to put up with anyone else <laughs> at the end of the day. You can make your own decisions as long as, you know, you're sensible enough to take your own wise risks. Um, yeah. I just couldn't work for anyone else. That's awesome, man. Congrats. And when you're saying that, you've got a huge smile on your face as well. For anybody who's listening to the podcast, <laughs> that you see this, this is an advertisement for having your business right here. Mark's face, which I can see in front of me, and his eyes are lighting up and he's a happy man. And so is mine as yeah. well. And you know, you, you know when I said you can never be employable ever again, that's because you'll never take the same nonsense, okay, when yeah. you're in a job, because you know you can do it on your own. There's always part of you that thinks, actually, I could just be out there creating my own thing, which is way cooler than anything that I see around me. Exactly. And you'd have to put up, as I said, with bad bosses, with terrible people making terrible decisions. It's, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, you, you've lost that safety net as well. So it's difficult to start your own business without at least some kind of savings to back you up for six months or something along those lines. It certainly does give you the incentive to make the business work because otherwise you've got to end up back in the real world again. Um, but it is, it's, I'm so happy to have been in this position to do it as Bitcoin was taking off. I was obviously interested in tech quite early and being in finance already. This was, 
it was interesting, kind of naturally. Um, so a bit, a bit of good timing as well, can't deny that. But you know, I've now put my life into it and I still am. And it's still as fun as it was in day one. Awesome, man. Congrats. Quite often these side gigs and these businesses that we start, they're wrapped around a passion or they're wrapped around a greater purpose. For you, your greater purpose is financial freedom and teaching people about Bitcoin. What did you see in crypto? What did you see in Bitcoin that made you think, actually, I need to create a platform that people are able to purchase this for a reasonable price, reasonable fees, easy accessible. What was the thing that you spotted, the potential, the cool thing about it that you wanted to share with the world? I think it's when you actually learn what quantitative easing is, <laughs> when you realize that the government will just make every pound in your wallet be worth a little bit less. And there is an alternative that essentially is free of the system, is dictated by code, can't be changed. And as a computer scientist, it solves really interesting computer science problems as well. It's, it's just all of these things coming together at a magical time when the financial system is being, being turned on its head, when there's massive corruption going on, when there's all sorts of just madness in the world and a technical solution is in front of you it's it's it just seems like it's logically the future of money you know nothing can stop it yeah another thing that boggles my brain is you know when people out there say how can you trust crypto how can you trust bitcoin does anybody know how a flipping bank works yeah let a, a normal bank never mind a flipping central bank because if you know how a normal bank works it's bad enough but a central bank it gets even crazier okay D-Y-O-R on that one, everybody who's listening, it's flipping bananas, yeah? Absolutely, yeah, and there's an instruction manual for how Bitcoin works, it's called the code. If you really want to, just look at the code. There's no secret society, there's no money printing, there's no governmental backhanders. You can figure it out very easily. I love it, I love it. So you are, of course, a Bitcoin holder, long-term yes, holder. Yeah, definitely long-term. That's awesome, man. We are presently in a little bit of a state of flux in the crypto world because we traditionally have the bull and bear cycles and everybody was waiting for that euphoric end to the bull market and it never really quite came. It still could come. It still could come because we're in that state of flux. We haven't seen the, the you know, traditionally there's signs of a bear market that repeat every single time and that is the price crashes and it consistently holds at a low whereas at the minute we're kind of somewhere in between i know this is hard to predict but how do you feel at the minute bullish bearish short term medium long term bullish um i mean yeah okay so you're right we've got to talk short, short term medium long term long term obviously bullish i mean yeah. look yeah. look at what this technology is um medium term and short term i think Bullish. I think we, we've gone out of the bear market, I think. You know, we hit almost 30K dollars um, not too long ago, quite consistently hanging around 40. If, if we're going along, you know, psychological lines of, um, well, thresholds, the generally $10,000, $20,000 sort of range. So I think we're, people are quite happy to buy at 40 and stop, stop prices going below that. We, we're only at the beginning of getting big institutional investment into Bitcoin as well. You know, imagine when your pension fund eventually does allow you to invest in Bitcoin and other alternative assets like that. There's so much inflow that could happen. We are at the beginning. So you've got to think long term. Something so volatile, you should really be thinking long term, even more than more than a normal, you know, boring bank type asset. So yeah, massively bullish. Um, I don't care about short term or medium term, frankly. It can do whatever. For, for Bitalicious, volatility is great. When prices are going up lots, people buy Bitcoin because they're feeling like they're going to miss out. Prices go down lots, people buy Bitcoin because they think the price is low. So horizontal markets are bad for the company. 
Um, give me price movement, really. But in terms of personal investment, as I said, I'm long-term, so I'm bullish. Love it. Here's some stats, okay? If you invest and you buy and hold Bitcoin for four years, historically, 100% of the time you would have made money over that time frame. Over three years, 97%. Over two years, 76%. So those are your odds, effectively. Yeah. So really, if you're a three-year person, if you're you'd have to buy when it's really obviously a bad time to buy. It's that 3% of the time when flipping everybody's hysterical about it. And it's yeah. kind of staring you in the face that it's not really a great time to buy. So really three to four years is your time frame. If you are someone who's partaking in the crypto world and what you've got staring in front of you is an app depreciating asset consistently, which is cash versus the opportunity to grow your wealth. But of course, EYOR, always part of a more balanced and diversified portfolio but like i say it goes back to what i was saying a minute ago you know are we accepting the fact that it wants to, we want to take 20 30 years to build our retirement or do we want to have a shot at pulling that date forwards and for me i'm always going to roll the dice always 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 i'm going to roll the dice and have some skin in the game yeah absolutely and you know why not both yes you don't you would not put your entire life savings and sort of and i certainly wouldn't either yeah. let's let's have a pun you know it, it's volatile but that means you know your little one percent of your assets could go up a ridiculous amount. I, I think, yeah, diversification, it comes down to that once again. All about reframe and how we see risk. Total like, reframe. Yeah, risk's not a bad thing. Risk risk is, you know, can go up an awful lot. You know, we wouldn't be doing a risky asset if it was almost guaranteed to go down, would we? You know, risk is exciting. Well, this is it. You know, people say invest in bonds because they're not risky, but actually how not risky looks is a 2% return every year, which is your average bond yield. Yeah. yeah. Which means that actually you're still losing money because of inflation. That's the interesting way of looking at it. Exactly. In these times, you know, 7% inflation is the most recent thing in the UK, I think. So guaranteed minus 5%. Yeah, no risk. You're right. But... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no risk, go for it. I know it, that's the, it's just a weird paradox, isn't it? Yeah. So Bitcoin, crypto, the wider world of crypto, mm. are you a Bitcoin maximalist? Do you believe there's any altcoins out there that have legs that you believe will grow in the future? What are you watching? What are your eyes on? Or are you a solely dedicated, passionate Bitcoin enthusiast? I'm not a maximalist. I believe Bitcoin is the answer to money. And that's a big deal. But let's not forget there are really interesting other things in this space as well. And even if you're just thinking about the classic Ethereum, from a computer science perspective, you've just made an amazing global computer that's totally decentralized. What can we do with computers? You know, what, what would you have known you could do with computers in the 1960s? <laughs> Having a chat like this, people might not have even thought about that um, back then. So who knows? There's a lot, a lot of <laughs> extremely early days for Bitcoin, let alone some of the other coins out there. So I'm not a maximalist. I do believe Bitcoin is the one for money, but there are other really interesting topics for um, for cryptocurrencies in general. And there are also stepping stones as well, such as stables coins. You know, we all believe that pounds and dollars and stuff are not the future, but you can get stepping stones into this world. So, you know, convert your pounds into virtual pounds and then actually decide how to go from there. So there's lots of different timeframes, lots of different technologies. But the thing we can take from this, money is changing. And whether it's a stable coin you're interested in or not, it's the bit, Bitcoin's probably the actual future, especially when you're talking about things built on top of Bitcoin, the Lightning Network enabling as many transactions as Visa and MasterCard have per second. Um, and it works. You know, people are using this all the time. Here on the Isle of Man, people buy their ice cream in Bitcoin. There are about 20 or 30 shops that you can just use Lightning Network here. It's fantastic. 
it's it works. What can I say? No way. Yeah, it, yeah. I can go down and buy my crep in in light, uh, buy lightning payments, buy my beer in lightning payments. It's only a few stores. Don't get me wrong, but it works and it's quick, and you know, no one gets chargebacks and things like that. What do you think about El Salvador and their acceptance of Bitcoin as one of the currencies of the country? Do you think that's part of a wider thing? Do you think it's a flash in the pan? I think it's brilliant. And I love the way it's making the IMF quake in their boots. Um, It's turning everything on its head. I think it's a very daring thing to do. But El Salvador is its currency is tied to the dollar. So when you get quantum easing in America, at least there possibly is a benefit for that for Americans in some way, even if it's mostly American shareholders and banks. Uh, the El Salvador people get nothing from this. So tying your currency to that of another country is really not useful. So they, they kind of didn't have that much to lose. And what's really interesting now is how the rest of the world is panicking. The International Monetary Foundation being really upset at them is really telling, I think. You know, they realize that their time is coming. Um, don't get me wrong, it's a massively daring option, but I think I, I, I'm very excited for the country and I do think it might be the beginning of a nice domino effect. What's America's biggest export? The dollar. Wow. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that one too. But yeah, the dollar, you know. You know when there's inflation in the dollar because everything else is valued in terms of dollars across the world. The dollar is the global reserve currency. It's how people trade. Okay. So if I want to buy some oil, I have to buy it in dollars on the international market. Okay. So what that means is if the price of the dollar, if there's inflation in the dollar, it is the only currency in the world that will uniquely manifest as inflation in other currencies as well, because we have to exchange with the dollar to get commodities. Okay. If there's inflation in the ruble, it doesn't matter. If there's inflation in the yen, it doesn't matter. There's inflation in the dollar because I have to obtain that dollar, first of all, and it messes with the exchange rates. And what that means is that prices in British shops go up, prices in El Salvadorian shops go up. Yep, absolutely. We need, we need a kind of extraterritorial global reserve currency, which is what Bitcoin is. I mean, America doesn't really deserve to be the global reserve currency, they, but they just got the globalization first. There's no actual real logical reason. If we would start from scratch, it would be Bitcoin because it doesn't rely on any government, it doesn't benefit any, any government, and more importantly, it doesn't disadvantage other governments, which is what the dollar does compared to other countries like El Salvador being the Perfect example. Yeah, we need new global reserve currency, and slowly, I think it will happen. The theory is that they twisted the screw on the rest of the world with Bretton Woods in 1944. Yeah. They, they said that they would reserve their military power to help Europe if they didn't agree to the dollar being the world reserve currency. That's the theory. Wow, didn't know that. That's that's quite sinister. <laughs> that's the theory. Mm. I mean, we're getting into you know all sorts of. Illuminati stuff, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> talk about that. No, no one knows for sure, but that's the yeah. theory. Interesting one, though. Bretton, Bretton Woods, good thing to check out. Good thing to research. Everybody who's listening. So, aside from Bitcoin, we talked about the other cryptos. You believe they have utility, purpose, and they will grow in price. What other ones do you hold apart from Bitcoin? We thought we're obviously yeah. divulging as much as you're comfortable with. We that's don't have, can skip that question if you like. I don't mind. I, I haven't had enough time to really be really look at what's out there, to be honest. Um, I, have, I have Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're my two biggest holdings for my small amount of crypto. Tiny, tiny bits of other things, you know, really old school, boring stuff like Litecoin and stuff, which doesn't really add much to the pot. Um, I wouldn't hold Shiba Inu. <laughs> I wouldn't hold pointless new coins because they should have died a long time ago. 
Um, there are really exciting ones out there. Um, I just don't know enough about them, what ones are going to last. But again, you can diversify in your diversity, in, in your kind of crypto world. You can be sensible and hold 70% of your crypto in Bitcoin, 10, 20 in Ethereum, then 10 in other random things because they can go up. They, I don't think we'll ever have anything upseating Bitcoin because I do think Bitcoin is is the solution for money and I think it will scale just fine with Lightning and things like that. But other things can have different utilities. Um, so, yeah, look, do, just do some basic research on some of the more exciting coins out there. Don't fall for the ones that have no utility at all, like Shiba Inu. Um, and diversify in your little crypto pot. There's a lesson in there in your words in itself for the people that are listening. If you find that you're very busy and preoccupied by other stuff, the best way to dabble and get some exposure to the space, stick with the king and queen, Bitcoin and Ethereum, buy and hold and that's it. And you can have some exposure. Maybe you're not going to be the same, the person who gets quite the returns that somebody who's trading it gets. But don't forget, those people had to go through a lot of heartache, a lot of struggle, a lot of learning so that they could get to that point where they're profitable. If you don't have that time in the first place, but you want some exposure, Bitcoin and Ethereum, buy it, put it in your cold storage wallet, kick back. And then let the profits come to you with time. That's the yeah. theory, anyway. Absolutely, I agree. The answers are there. To you know, it's pretty exciting stuff already. It's still early if you buy Bitcoin. Let's face it. Um, you know, I I wouldn't have time in the real world to find a small, tiny company that I think has an incredible future. Um, you know, taking a nice risk there, similar to some of the exotic coins out there. Um, but getting some kind of part of the crypto pie and obviously the big ones are still pretty exciting, pretty pretty volatile and pretty risky, but I think there's so much more upside. I mean, the downside is they fall to zero. The upside is, I mean, how many zeros do you want to add to the end of your, <laughs> to the end of your asset balance? That's awesome, man. That's cool. What exciting things are you looking forward to in the crypto space on the front of Bitcoin, on the front of anything else as a man with his finger on the pulse? Um, exciting things. I mean, I, I do think layer two scaling. We, we all need to do Lightning Network. We do as well. We, we haven't implemented it yet just due to lack of time. But I've, you know, I've read a lot about it. I've read um, a few books on it. It makes sense. It's complicated, but it makes sense. Um, so I think scaling on Bitcoin is still really important. You know, as I said, solving money is a pretty big deal already. <laughs> Um, I'm interested in I'm interested in a lot of the experiments. I don't know what's going to happen with Ethereum as it goes to proof of stake, whether that's going to be a good or bad thing. Um, I think Bitcoin sticking with proof of work is the right thing. I find the I find the battles between the media very interesting, disinformation on energy use, weird things coming out of government saying, you know, we should ban Bitcoin because it's bad for the environment without missing the, <laughs> without really you know, forgetting that you know, this is this is the new money. This is a whole massive thing. Um, so I quite like some of the social aspects as well. Uh, the whole space is so interesting. You can go down so many rabbit holes. Um, I I wouldn't. I like the broad approach rather than digging deep into anything. Um, but you can get lost. Whatever floats your boat in this world, you'll find an analogy in the crypto space that you can just get passionate about so quickly. Awesome, my friend. Mark, you've been so generous with your time today. We're coming up towards the 40-minute mark, and I like to keep things, these short, sweet, accessible, punctual, all of those things. So 40 minutes is a beautiful time to begin to think about wrapping things up. There will be lots of people listening to this podcast who are thinking to themselves, 
Should I get involved? Should I buy Bitcoin? Should I become someone who holds crypto? What would you say to those people who are on the fence? What do you think the thing that might tip them over is? What was the greatest epiphany or revelation that made you think, actually, I need to get involved in the crypto space? But of course, caveat it with the safe, balanced message that we're doing it with part of our portfolio. And we're doing it from a point of view that you genuinely want to help people and make sure that they can participate in potentially accessing financial freedom and pulling that date forwards? It's it's the future of money. I mean, I don't know how basic it, it can be made. This is this is new money. Have a little bit and play with it, and you'll see how revolutionary it is. And if you really want to realize why Bitcoin is good, get, you know, well, I've had a bank, I've had a bank account shut because I'm too close to crypto. You realize when you have just a few banks and they can shut you out at any time, they can do whatever they want with your money, we need, a, we need an alternative, and you are early in the system. Just get a little bit involved. It doesn't matter how much you buy. You can just buy 50 quid. You know, that most people can kind of dabble those levels, and you'll start to kind of feel why it's amazing. So just start small, have a play, and take it from there. You know, it's so unfortunate that because we still live in an area where Bitcoin and crypto is nascent and unregulated that the message that you've just said, which is a responsible one can sometimes get drowned out by the media and the gunslingers that are out there in the crypto world. They say, put your house on it and stuff like that. No reasonable person with an understanding of finance would ever say that. But for me, it is totally conceivable. And if anything, relatable and understandable that someone who does have an understanding of finance might say actually begin to dabble and then also maybe even think about allocating a small portion of your portfolio to it because like i say you've got the certainty of a stocks and bonds portfolio which is 30 years doing something you may mm-hmm. not even enjoy and hate surely it's worth having some skin in the game at another Absolutely. option to me Absolutely. it makes total sense totally does and you know do it over time as well so if you can put 50 pounds a month into bitcoin or something along those lines you get that dollar cost averaging going on. You get you, you manage to smooth out those spikes a little bit. It's it's just worth having a go. I, think. I love it. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the Dentsu Invest podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion today? Buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Simple as. I love it. I love it. Short and sweet. And yeah, as I say, if people who did want to dabble in it and did think about it, then it's all about the responsible message that Mark and I talked about earlier, which is not something that you always hear especially on the internet, especially when you've got these jumped up high energy YouTube people who are propagating the fact that they've got everything on Bitcoin. That's not always the message that we want to spread. Or it's, certainly. It's, a, it's a boring message. It doesn't sell newspapers. It doesn't sell fear. It's so, you know, the truth is somewhere usually in the middle between the two extremes. This is it. 100%. The whole world wants us to think that we're either red or blue in terms of we're thinking. Actually, in reality, the answer is almost always purple, virtually mm-hmm. always somewhere. In I love that, man. Guys, for anybody who was listening, Mark's Exchange, Bidilicious, really cool website. Feel free to check it out in your own time. Mark has been so generous with his time today, and we are so grateful to him for appearing on the Dentistry Invest podcast. I believe this is episode number 74. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> 74 episodes in. We're going for the century, Mark. We're going yeah. for the century. It's coming up soon. Well, I, have, I should be careful when I say number 74, because sometimes the episodes get a little jiggled around whenever we release them, but it'll be in that realm or in that ballpark. But how cool is that? The Mark, first hundred. <laughs> The first hundred, yeah, exactly. The first hundred, the first of many hundreds. I love that. We'll go for the millennial next, the millennium episode. That would be cool. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Thank you too. 
been super generous, been so fun to chat and we will catch up very soon. Perfect, bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.